Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Okay, this week we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 15, Christopher Returns. The Netflix bio for this episode is Rory's father returns, causing tension in Emily and Richard's house, and forcing Lorelai to make a big decision about her family's future. It's a dramatic episode. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. And I don't think the bio, like, sells that enough. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) But the other day, I was thinking about how we struggle to do our Talking Fast segment in 30 seconds, and that made me have new sympathy for, like, the Netflix bio writers who are, Mm -hmm. in a way, trying to do the same thing, but in almost less space, too, so... (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It might be easy to target for ridicule. I'm going to give them some sympathy today. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like they could make things a little bit snappier, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they have a lot of bios to write, so. That's a great point. (laughs) I would would definitely take that job. I wonder if they're hiring. I'd watch a show and then write bios for it. (laughs) That'd be great. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Can you tell that I really need some extra money right now mm-hmm. trying to find a gig? Right. You're like, I would like that job. And I was thinking, I'd like any job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a job technically, but <laughs> I'm always yeah. on the market. We, for our, our listeners, we're, I mean, we're grad students. We get paid a pittance. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at any time, most of us have some sort of like side thing we're attempting to do to make enough Mm -hmm. money to buy things Mm -hmm. (sighs) it's a rough life yes but (laughs) it's also a good one because we get to podcast (laughs) yeah that's true um so we can go ahead with our talking fast segment to kick things off i believe you are going first this week yeah we'll see how it goes i say this every time but there's a lot to say in 30 seconds consider this your trial for the netflix bio position (laughs) okay pressure's on (laughs) okay three two one go okay christopher's in town there's a softball game and luke and dean are playing each other and then there's a friday night dinner um where Everybody fights, basically. They're Strobe and Francine, who are Christopher's parents, and they're really mean to Rory. Richard stands up for Lorelai, but then Lorelai and Richard have a fight, and then uh, Lorelai and Christopher hook up, and uh, very awkwardly in their in her old bedroom, um, Rory and Emily have a nice time, and then... Oh, oh God. sorry. Oh. <laughs> I got so, so sidetracked. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to say. <laughs> I'll okay. try to take off where you left, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, go. 
Christopher is still here for a few days. He and Rory kind of go about the town and bond. He seems to be having money troubles despite saying his business is going really well. They also see a softball game. Um, then let's think, yeah, the Friday night dinner to end all dinners. It's horrible fighting all around. Uh, there's, yeah, the nice moment, like you mentioned, with Emily and Rory uh, back at home. Oh, yeah, and Lorelai forgot about her thing with Luke and the painting, which was tragic. <laughs> oh, gosh. I should have so just tried much. to do the end stuff, but I was like, no, I'll do the beginning stuff, too. <laughs> well, I had missed out a lot at the beginning anyways. Hmm. There's just so much. This is going to be... Uh dramatic episode for us as well i think yes but i'm excited. a lot of like frustrating frustrating moments Ser- seriously okay well let's slow down and get into it then so we start out with rory's preparing the couch mm. um and lorelei is attempting to make it clear for her that she really shouldn't expect very much from christopher apparently we don't i mean we don't know that much about what's happened with Christopher in the past 16 years, but mm-hmm. he seems to have this tendency to kind of promise big and then bring nothing in the end. Yeah. Um, so that's what she's trying to get Rory to understand, which is really sad. It's really depressing. Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, Lorelai is so blunt and direct with Christopher. Also, once Rory leaves the room, she's like, why the hell are you here? <laughs> and she does not, like... I think he says that she has zero faith in him and she's basically like, yeah, I, I don't have faith in you. And I feel like she won't until he gives her reason to. And this episode, like, he doesn't give her enough to, like, have faith in him in the end. But I might be getting ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. But I, in this in this moment, I have a very um unconventional Lorelai's closet nomination um only because I couldn't find I like was looking through my notes and hadn't Mm -hmm. noted any outfits but I had noted the chaise lounge that they're sitting on and I already had something for my stars hollow Mm -hmm. moment so I thought that this worked Mm -hmm. because it is like a Lorelai's aesthetic thing yeah 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 but it's like an antique looking well not antique but I don't know older um looking chaise and it has like a striped brocade pattern that looks Mm -hmm. vaguely familiar to the couch my parents had when (laughs) we were growing up Mm -hmm. um but it looks it's it's probably not comfortable because it's a set piece but it looks like it could be comfortable to like sit and read on yeah and they're sitting on this when Lorelai is grilling Christopher Mm -hmm. and he's just kind of flopping over (laughs) giving nothing (laughs) yeah I didn't really think of this as a pretty fashionable episode as Mm -hmm. well. I had to really look for my nomination. I think they're all just so stressed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the scene does conclude with uh, Lorelai saying, like, of course, Christopher can always be part of Rory's life. And she's, like, left the door open and he, like, needs to use it, basically. So I think, like... Though we see Lorelai being very harsh and protective of Rory, she is still, like, I think the far more responsible and, like, reasonable Mm co-parent in this situation. (laughs) Like, I'm just really impressed with her, even though she's clearly, like, processing her emotions about all of this, as she'll tell Suki later, like, 
even in the midst of all of that, she's still, like, I don't know, I'm just really impressed, like, with the level Mm -hmm. of emotional maturity she's often at throughout the episode. Yeah, she still realizes that, like, the main relationship to be worrying about here is Rory and her father's. Mm Mm-hmm. And her relationship to him is kind of secondary, right. which, I mean, it's that's a hard thing for anybody to <laughs> to mm-hmm. accept. But yeah. I think it's definitely true in this case. And yeah, she does a really good job with that. We also find that, well, Rory asks Christopher to come to her softball game the next day. Well, a for softball game. For her friend, game. <laughs> Dean. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> which every, like, Christopher automatically knows that it's, you know, a Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a dean (laughs) that was actually pretty cute yeah yeah that was (laughs) so that's where we go next pretty quickly we go to the um softball game (laughs) and i really front-loaded all of my uh different moments in this episode Mm -hmm. but this episode has my star's hollow moment which is um kirk uh commentating on the game because it's luke versus dean well they have teams but those mm-hmm. are the real players <laughs> and apparently they've been like playing for i don't know 30 minutes or something so far and nobody's scored any points mm-hmm. um they're clearly not very good but it's more just for fun and rivalry so that was a good thing from this scene i also though <laughs> Had my Friday night dinner nomination. I did too. (laughs) And for the exact same thing, which Mm -hmm. was Kirk and his homophobic comments. Yes, that was my same critique as well. I thought, I was like, there's so much to critique later on in like all Mm -hmm. of the fights. I was like, let me put it in this smaller moment in the scene. But I guess we had similar thinking. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the the rest of it actually happens at Friday night dinner. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) But the thing that Kirk says is, and I I hope I wrote this down right, he says, Luke, does your husband play too? Mm -hmm. Like, as a kind of call out for Luke playing badly. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was, I mean, there are a couple different ways we could read it, I guess. It could be like a super misogynistic thing Mm -hmm. where he's calling Luke a woman for not Mm -hmm. being able to play well. Or I also took it as a super homophobic thing like you're a I don't know a stereotypical gay man who can't play sports or something Mm -hmm. um either way I was very disappointed in Kirk who is a character who I would (laughs) in later later seasons I would say is like an ally in just his personality to queer people (laughs) and here he is being so misogynistic it's yeah disappointing I know and I had the same experience watching this like his his heckling started off so funny to me like he's saying like well you can't pitch and you can't hit but then it took that turn in the end and it had all so much bundled up into it um and it was so I think the reason I nominated it too is that it's so casual and just latent Mm -hmm. homophobia too like it's just a quick little comment you could miss it so easily if you just weren't paying attention to the episode but I almost think that's what makes it like even more insidious that it's just like Mm -hmm. in the logic of the show or Kirk's character in almost like a thoughtless way which is bad too (laughs) and um yeah I was trying to like unpack this it seems to have that like 
there's that connection of sports and masculinity and like if you're mm-hmm. good at sports you're like a man uh, or you throw like a girl <laughs> if you're not and it's that like femininity and homosexuality and like weakness on the other side of the binary it's just all like really toxic and bad and I did not enjoy it in the scene. It, like, really turned the moment of something funny of, like, Luke and Dean actually being bad at sports and Kirk providing fun commentary about that to, like, just a very, like, kind of, like, a violent logic that was swept under the rug quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And I I think I might have said this maybe last episode, but I kind of get the feeling that Kirk's actual character is still not solidified Mm -hmm. i don't mean to say that kirk in later seasons maybe wouldn't have made a job like this Mm because i don't really like sometimes he does still say questionable things but it just doesn't seem quite in line with kirk later on you know and it was yeah it was just a a bad way to start off an an episode that's already gonna have a whole bunch of problematic things that come up right When I was nominating this scene, it made me think about your critique of the fat phobia in the last episode Mm -hmm. and how I think these are like the side parts of the show that they're not aware of so much. Whereas like the Friday night dinner stuff we'll talk about later on, like the writers are clearly interested in those debates and those themes and they're like exploring them, you know. But this stuff, they're just, like, putting it in there. Like, they think it's funny, you know? And so that's why we are here, to critique it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, to say times have changed. Mm -hmm. These things are mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, Moving forward, Dean and Christopher do meet after the game, or during the game, I guess. This game does not seem to have high stakes or high, like, strict rules. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. Uh, They bond briefly over motorcycles, so. Yeah, I think it's, that's also a throwback to, um, I think, episode one, Mm -hmm. when Rory's just met Dean, so she's, like, thinking she doesn't want to go to Chilton, and Lorelai says something like, he better have a motorcycle. (laughs) If you're going to give up this, he better have a motorcycle. And, um, and we hadn't heard him talking about motorcycle since, but obviously Christopher has one. Well, Dean did say that he and Todd work on bikes together. Oh, yeah, so true. It's been, like, little. <laughs> I guess they don't have enough money in the budget to actually show Dean on a motorcycle. They're saving I, up for Chris's. <laughs> I had envisioned that as, like, bicycle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, honestly. Sorry, Dean. <laughs> uh so this scene, I guess I front-loaded as well because this scene also had my Lorelai's Closet nomination and it's related to the motorcycle bit. Um, I wanted to nominate Christopher's leather jacket <laughs> Ooh, yeah. because I thought it was a very like um, visual, like a visual cue of like, hey, look at this bad boy, you know, mm-hmm. and he'll be the talk of the town shortly. I... Just think it's kind of funny. It feels like very wanna boy, wanna be bad boy to me. Um, Chris secretly has the money background, you know, or as Jackson will mm-hmm. say, he's got the money nose. <laughs> but on the outside, he wants to present himself as kind of like this um, outsider, maybe, or 
rebellious type so the motorcycle Mm -hmm. the jacket are all very part of i think this persona he wants to put on that he seems to be he's been doing it since high school it sounds like but it just made me think like a lot of people had made logan and christopher comparisons which i think are accurate clearly but like at this moment visually he almost reminds me more of jess or dean Mm. but it's like he wants to look like jess you know i don't know if he is jess (laughs) yeah i agree he'd be like if dean tried to be like jess (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i don't i mean in the later seasons i see the connection between him and logan but Mm -hmm. Yeah, here. And I, yeah, he definitely does have the wannabe look because he's not disheveled in any way. No. He's spent, I guess, maybe like he's probably 32 or something like Lorelai. So he spent the last probably 14 years or something doing God knows what, but obviously he hasn't been suffering that badly financially. So he's Mm -hmm. been probably getting money from his parents. So he's, you know. It's all an act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the after the softball game, they start like walking around Stars Hollow. Mm-hmm. And the first hint that we get that the news has spread is, well, the news is about to spread, is mm-hmm. that Miss Patty shows up and uh, she starts flirting a little bit with, um, with Christopher <laughs> with the weirdest logic, like... She said, you know, everybody here is kind of like a mother to Rory, so Mm. you're Rory's father, so that makes us a couple. (laughs) And Christopher's just like, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But as as they walk away, we see Miss Patty take out her little flip phone Mm -hmm. and start calling around. (laughs) Yeah. This this sequence of gossip that starts with Miss Patty's flirting was my Stars Hollow moment. (laughs) I just thought it was so perfect. Like, of course, the first time Rory's dad makes an appearance, it's going to be the talk of the town. But Mm -hmm. I like the way that it was, like, shot or shown to, like, unfold with Miss Patty pulling up the phone. And then you see Taylor with his phone. Um, You see, like, just different scenes with Jackson and Andrew later on in the (laughs) bookstore. Then cut to, like, Jackson with a whole crowd around him, like debating who he looks like all of this different stuff i just thought it was so hilarious and so quintessential Mm -hmm. stars hollow (laughs) yeah and like the things that they're focusing on like yeah jackson giving his his uh judgments about his money nose and that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff (laughs) jackson was hilarious in this whole scene i thought that yeah it was really like comedic gold for him (laughs) yeah (laughs) And he hasn't gotten that many opportunities to shine, so I thought Mm-mm. this was great. I think I skipped a scene at the inn, actually, mm. between the softball game and going around town. When we like go to the inn, and the first scene is just Suki and Michelle giggling. <laughs> we don't know what they're giggling about. Um, but the bad thing is that Lorelai points out that they're giggling and having a good time. <laughs> Which, of course, leads to them fighting. But then Lorelai and Suki have a good kind of friend talk about what's going on with Christopher. Yeah, she's like, should I be mad? Um, 
And she points out, like, every time she's about to be mad at him, he smiles. And then it's Christopher, as she says. Like, it's very poetic in a way, but really alluding to the strong ties that she has to him and probably that, like, their relationship at that formative time. Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, somehow the things that happen, especially in, like, high school, maybe a little bit in middle school, but they just like stay stick with you longer than anything that happens later than that it seems Mm -hmm. and of course christopher is probably lorelei's like first love so that adds to it yeah but yeah i think Suki did a great job here of kind of like pulling out lorelei's true feelings about things um Mm -hmm. and really getting her to yeah talk about it Kind of in the same way that she did in the last episode with Lorelai's feelings about Luke. Again, she's yeah. here kind of like the the therapist in a way where she can just kind of ask the right thing. And Ollie's in the kitchen in that set at the inn. <laughs> I've started yeah. to notice that. It's like becoming quite repetitive in a kind of comforting way. But also it's like, let's Sugi like, <laughs> can yeah. she have a scene elsewhere too? <laughs> Yeah, can we get more of her and Jackson or something? We Mm -hmm. haven't seen them for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so back to the town and Christopher and Rory's kind of tour that she's providing for him. They stop by the bookstore and Christopher wants to buy her a present, like a book. He says pick out any book you want. And he's saying he wants to like buy her something to remember the trip by and that he has a lot to make up for which is like kind of a red flag we've we've Mm -hmm. noted before that emily tries to do something similar uh money can't buy love whatever (laughs) you know i don't but um it actually goes awry he can't buy her love because his credit card is rejected which is the first (laughs) you know sign that um his like leather jacket and motorcycle are not the only part of his act. It's also like <laughs> all the things he's saying are maybe not what they appear to be. We're starting to suspect here. I also, I almost chose this as my Rory's bookshelf, but something came up later. But mm. <laughs> the book that she wants to buy is the Oxford English Dictionary. And the, and it's the, I don't, I don't remember what it's called, like the condensed version or something. Compact. Um, because, yeah, yeah, compact. Because the actual, like if you actually was, were going to get the Oxford English Dictionary in physical form, it'd be multiple volumes. Mm-hmm. But I, I just wanted to point out to our listeners, I'll put this link in our show notes. The Oxford English Dictionary is a great way to spend an evening. <laughs> <laughs> just think of a word look it up and read all of the different ways that it's shown up in history and what Mm -hmm. its etymology is and it's very interesting that's so so cool yeah that's a good recommendation get a glass of wine or (laughs) tea and just yeah spend some quality time with the dictionary and i have never have you ever owned the oed in physical copy because i i don't i've only ever used like their data on database online stuff but yeah same here it's the most reputable dictionary another Mm -hmm. tip if you're ever going to cite a definition for a word in a paper most likely it should be from the oed Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's that's free tip (laughs) from a writing teacher (laughs) 
if you really want to have a fun time, don't look up a fun word like kerfuffle or something mm-hmm. like that. You want to look up a word that sounds just mundane that we mm-hmm. say every day mm-hmm. and find out where it comes from. It'll have pretty interesting history. Yeah. I actually did have my Boris bookshelf nomination in this scene, but it was not the dictionary either, actually. Um, Andrew and Jackson were discussing who Christopher looks like when Rory and Christopher enter, and they were saying, um, they were debating between George Clooney and Brad Pitt. They also throw in someone named Billy Crudup. I'm not familiar with that actor, but... I mean, George Clooney and Brad Pitt are iconic, and I imagine this was a very relevant pop culture reference at the time, but it still is today. They're still very handsome today as well. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to shed some light or attention to them. (laughs) And I also just don't think Christopher looks like either of those (laughs) two, though. So I'm like, what's in the water in Stars Hollow? Because I don't think they're seen clearly. Like, Sure, Christopher is a fairly attractive guy, I guess, but like, he's no Clooney or Pitt. <laughs> no, he's got maybe like the hair color of Brad Pitt. Yeah, maybe, but definitely not George Clooney. He's just like a TV version of a handsome actor. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. <laughs> not to, yeah, which is still a step above most normal people. So mm-hmm. <laughs> true. So then. Lorelai, Christopher, Rory all meet up at Luke's after this. Oh, and one last thing worth mentioning because it will be brought up again is that after his credit card is declined, Christopher asks Rory not to tell Lorelai, which is yet another boundary red flag issue, which will be raised by Lorelai later on. So just wanted to mention that. But yeah, they all meet up at Luke's after this and... It's worth noting that Christopher ignores the no cell phone rule in Luke's, <laughs> which like Lorelai has done before too, but it irked me for some reason when it was Christopher doing it, yeah. you know, like he's new to town. He should follow the clearly stated sign. Lorelai has worked up, you know, some like brownie <laughs> points, right? Like <laughs> she's usually also like doing it kind of to piss Luke off, like in yeah. a flirty way, but yeah. she pointed at it and Christopher read it. And, and then scoffed mm-hmm. and answered the phone. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It was not good. Mm-hmm. Not good at all. <laughs> but on the phone is Emily. It kind of makes me wonder, like, does Emily call him often? Or did she know he would be in town? Or what yeah. Like, what prompted the call? Um, but the funniest thing is uh, he mentions that he's with Lorelai and Rory. So... He hands the phone to Lorelai and Emily, first of all, says, Christopher's in town, <laughs> as if she's not talking to Lorelai on Christopher's mm-hmm. phone. And it was just, it was cute. Um, and then they set up plans for Friday night dinner. Ugh. Right. With, um, notably with Straub, Strobe? Strobe. And so. Francine Hayden. So Christopher's parents will also be attending and what rich-sounding names do they have? Strobe and Francine. I mean, Francine is pretty normal, but yeah. wow. <laughs> Strobe. I don't even really know how to spell it. I just took a guess. <laughs> I had the looks... captions on, so I cheated. Oh, but <laughs> S-T-R-A-U-B. Yeah, it but sounds... But like Strobe Light rich. is how it's pronounced, I think. <laughs> I was just thinking of Stroganoff. <laughs> That's another oh, good one. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so we don't really get any like in between moments or anything uh, from this to when we actually go to Friday night dinner. Mm-hmm. And this kind of indicates that Friday night dinner is going to be the main event of the episode since we're only like 10 minutes in at this point. I know. I feel Uh, like we need to take like a deep breath before we go to recap it because it's going to be like a marathon, not a sprint. (laughs) I hope I can remember what point each person had because there were so many weird points. Mm -hmm. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Do you have some lofty reading goals for 2022? Maybe you want to read all of the Goosebumps books ever written, or maybe you want to read through the etymology of every word in the English language. Whatever your goals might be, Stars Hollow Books has the tome of your dreams. Just stop by our quaint, disorganized store and sort through the inappropriately labeled classic section if you're looking for a computer manual, or ask at the counter for that one copy of the Oxford English Dictionary that has been on hold for 20 years. We are happy here to help you get lost in a book and in our inventory choices. For listeners of Talking Fast Podcast, we have a special offer. We recently accidentally ordered 10 copies of every book on our request list due to an employee error. Side note, Kirk needs a new job again. Um, So if you mention Talking Fast at checkout, you can get a copy of whatever your, a second copy of whatever book you are buying for 50% off. That means not one copy of the Clone Wars Wild Space, but two. (laughs) Who would have expected that? Note, this offer does not apply to the Oxford English Dictionary, of which we only have one. It's really messing with our profit margins. So remember, just mention Talking Fast Podcast at the counter of Stars Hollow Books to get a second copy of your book of choice for 50% off. Who doesn't like a deal like that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The first thing I noticed as they were coming up is Lorelai uses the key to enter, which I'd almost written down, like, wondering if we should point it out, because it wouldn't be brought up, but then it was brought up right away. And it was just kind of like a setting the mood of the normal, like, Emily criticizing Lorelai that would be continuing for the rest of the night, kind of, um... We see clearly that Richard is obsessed with Christopher. (laughs) I know. Everyone, like Emily, Richard, they're like fawning over Christopher. And they say he has like a splash of greatness. (laughs) And that um, they like hope that Rory will get her father's business sense. And I'm just thinking, what about Lorelai's? Like, she was the one who rose in the ranks from like maid to manager She's the one who's currently attending business school successfully. Mm -hmm. They can't know it, but someday she's going to open her own inn. Whereas, like, Christopher is currently failing. And they don't know that. But, like, that was so frustrating. And it's only the tip of the iceberg of what is to come. (laughs) (laughs) Because at this point, Strobe and Francine arrive. So Emily Richard go to, like, 
answer the door. Meanwhile, Lorelai and Rory are talking about, like, how should Rory even address them? Because this is technically a set of her grandparents that she hasn't seen, I guess, since she was a baby. Understandably, really emotionally hard for her to, like, what to expect and whatnot. And she ends up, when she goes to greet them, she ends up curtsying to them. <laughs> yeah, so cute. <laughs> Which was so funny. And Lorelai kind of, like, laughs at her and she's like, shut up. <laughs> but... I felt for Rory in this and many other moments after. I, know. I felt like her kind of emotional turmoil in this whole meeting was eclipsed entirely by Lorelai and Christopher. I think that yeah. <clears throat> it was probably much more important than mm-hmm. Lorelai and Christopher's grown-up problems. I mean, yeah. meeting your grandparents as a teenager for the first time mm-hmm. and then them being as mean to her as they yeah. were, like, yeah. that's heartbreaking. It's absolutely mm-hmm. heartbreaking. And, like, we barely get any comforting of Rory or anything like that. It's yeah. Very sad. <sighs> I completely agree. And so, we do, yeah, so through this, like, conversation where they are kind of trying to get to know Rory, like, Barely. They're basically just waiting for a moment to attack Lorelai, it seems like. Uh, And this is mostly Strobe. Like, Francine doesn't seem to be talking too much, but Rory is, like, shy and not really responding too well, even though Richard is, like, bragging about how smart she is and whatnot. But she's understandably, like, really caught off guard. Um, She's, like, she misses a chance to, like, basically show off her intelligence, I guess. Like, She's not a show pony. Like, <laughs> she can't be smart and command necessarily. Um, and Strobe says that 16 is a dangerous age for girls, which is such a gross comment to like sexualize young girls like that. And then to ignore, like, I mean, this is something he'll do throughout the entirety of this conversation, but he's implying like Lorelai was dangerous at that age, totally ignoring Christopher's role at all like why is it dangerous to be a girl at 16 what about like guys or (laughs) where's the danger coming from yeah exactly (laughs) and that's to like kind of generalize the heterosexuality of it all of course but like Mm -hmm. that's definitely the logic that he's thinking in here too i thought he was also like very dehumanizing towards rory yes like constantly kind of talking about her as um the like the result of the stuff mm-hmm. that had happened, like a problem that came up from that and not as like a human being that was sitting right in front of them. Yeah. Like nervous about meeting her grandparents for the first time. And then she has to hear about herself, like just as a a problem, like not even mm-hmm. as a human, just as a problem. It was, yeah, yeah I was, I would have punched strobe if I was there. I, I know. <laughs> it was really heartbreaking and it was probably mm-hmm. so difficult to be, Rory hearing that oh so true and Lorelai tries to kind of disrupt this conversation because she is (laughs) sensing how I think sensing how painful this is for Rory and so she just blurts out I hate President Bush (laughs) which I think like I liked that she did that because she's clearly just trying to deflect the attention from Rory completely and I like Mm -hmm. I liked it she's clearly trying to antagonize like Strobe and Richard and specifically and I I mean I do think it sets off Strobe to like say all the stuff he's gonna say 
But I think he was going to say it anyways. So I just like that she was like trying to protect Rory in this moment and being like, okay, bring the fire on me (laughs) with this like ridiculous comment. It also like just really took me back to my grandparents are super conservative. Mm -hmm. um, And I remember like my my parents are both pretty liberal. My mom was way more liberal at the time that George Bush was in office. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe maybe she's still that liberal, but my dad isn't quite as liberal, but. Mm-hmm. I remember there being so many weird conversations about um, Bush as a president. And like this, I guess this had come out probably just like right after 9-11 and all of that. Um, and so it was definitely a very like fraught issue. Mm-hmm. And but I, I thought it was kind of funny and it like it seemed like something that a lot of viewers could probably relate to, just like the, and I think it's still true about our presidents, but just the kind of like polarizing effect of saying something like that. Yeah, um, you at know, a dinner party. <laughs> yeah, you know it's not going to be just like a polite political conversation. It's going to be something much more if you say something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree. Lorelai, she, she maybe could have picked something slightly better, but... You're probably right. Strobe was going to say that stuff anyways. Yeah. So why not go for the jugular? I guess. Yeah. So we can unpack some of the stuff he says, which is not not a fun job, really. But let's see. I mean, where to even begin? He basically opens with like asking her, um, are you happy how your life has gone, basically? Mm-hmm. And uh, she at one point says that she manages an inn. And he responds like, oh, you speak with such a haughty tone when you announce to the world you work at a hotel. Like, he's such an asshole. Yeah. And he is, like, blaming her. He says she seduced Christopher and ruined Christopher's life and all all of this stuff. And it's so, so misguided, dude. Like... Totally not placing any blame on Christopher at all. Totally not recognizing the value of, like, what she is doing and how good her life actually is. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, so much to say. <laughs> yeah, his comment about her job made me, made me really uh, fearful and sorry for any service workers he comes mm-hmm. in contact with. Because yeah. <laughs> he clearly doesn't understand, like, the... The work that they're actually putting in mm-hmm. and it's definitely yeah he definitely was very snobby about Lorelai's job and Chris or Richard and Emily they like sometimes make at the very beginning they kind of made cracks about Lorelai's job but mm-hmm. <clears throat> it seems by this point in time that they like actually find her job to be something fairly respectable mm-hmm. I'm sure they would have preferred something different but the fact that Strobe only sees it as working at a hotel and also that that's something so degrading, like, to not even treat Lorelai as a human. I know. He's talking to her like she's, like, a second-rate person, you know? Like, she's literally beneath him in her status in the world. And it's so gross. Yeah. I sorry, I feel like I, I'm lacking the, like, critical <laughs> vocabulary I know. to dissect this, but it ultimately does boil down to just it's so wrong <laughs> yeah he like goes on about how christopher would have gone to princeton and everything like generations mm-hmm. of haydens before yeah and 
I was I was kind of annoyed that Christopher here like is not doing anything. Like he's not yeah. really, you know, adding his own comments about like no, I probably wouldn't have gone to Princeton. Mm-hmm. Any of that. And he clearly also hasn't talked to his parents about this for yeah. 16 years. Um which is just another red flag for Christopher, I think. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done any work to make sure that they understood a little bit more about the situation. And at this point, I think is when Richard stands up for Lorelai, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, I mean, I love what Richard has to say to Strove at this point. He says, you recant that, which I thought was an epic <laughs> phrase. <laughs> and he kind of like grabs him and gets in his face. And I was like, okay, I'm glad that someone is finally defending Lorelai because it should have been like Emily, Richard, Christopher, any of them should have done it much sooner in this scene. And he says like, my daughter is successful at what she does. I'm kicking you out. Um, I thought that was like well handled that he was like, you have to go, you know, he wasn't like, I'll give you a chance to apologize or let's finally just be civil and go to dinner. But he was like, no, you're out. Um, I would have nominated this for my gazebo moment if it were not for the conversation that Richard (laughs) and Lorelai have later, because I think the intentions behind his defense of Lorelai are not as genuine as I would like them to be. Uh, But in the moment, I thought it was effective and dramatic, Mm -hmm. and I am so glad that someone told Strobe off and... I don't even know what Francine thinks about all of this. It was very classic, like, waspy kind of wife, like, silently sitting by his side. That's also bad. (laughs) Like, that would never have been Lorelai and Christopher, that's for sure, if that's what they wanted for their kids. I also feel like that would never be Richard and Emily. Yeah. I I do think Emily should have been more vocal in this moment, Mm -hmm. but she would never have let Richard... Or maybe it would have been reversed and she would have been the one, like, insulting somebody. But either way, it seems like their relationship is a bit different. Francine pretty much just sits there and looks aghast but says nothing. (laughs) Um, So she's really not helpful or she's, yeah, she's not helpful. And in that way, she's harmful in the moment. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was a terrible fight. And I'm glad, (laughs) I'm glad Richard kicked him out kicked the yeah. mouth out and we didn't have to suffer through a dinner of that <laughs> seriously so everyone kind of parts ways at this point it seems like Aurora's already been sent out of the room at this mm-hmm. point which is good so she didn't overhear everything but basically after the scene Lorelai goes to the study to see her dad to say like thank you for defending her and that she knows it was hard um and oh, so this scene actually is one that I had in my memory for a while when uh, Lorelai and Richard had their moment in the hospital and oh, yeah. that episode I was thinking like I know they have a rocky relationship and I feel like they have a fight early on but I couldn't remember when but this mm-hmm. is definitely what I was remembering and it is as bad as I remember it because what Richard says in the scene like cuts so deep like I cannot believe he says some of this stuff to Lorelai and she just has to like still go there every week and like mend and eventually kind of like mend the relationship. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it's such hurtful things. I'd be like so traumatized. 
Yeah. Uh. It's hard to tell, like, whether he is just saying this because of the heat of the moment or yeah. or if it's really his true feelings coming out. Yeah, he definitely lashes out at her. One of the things he, well, his basic sentiment of, like, when she says, thanks for standing up to me, pretty much he's saying, like, I wasn't standing up for you. I was standing mm. up for the family and our reputation. I said those things to mend our reputation, even though I didn't necessarily think that, like, that's not how I actually see you. Mm-hmm. I just did it for the sake of the family. Um, yeah. Which, it, yeah, that's that's almost worse than, like, if he hadn't said anything at all in a way. Because yeah. <laughs> it's basically just saying, like, I did this for me and Emily. You were just a a way to do it. (laughs) Right. And she'd been like feeling good that he defended her. Right. Mm -hmm. So then to only be taken down to be like, no, that wasn't for you is almost like it takes her down to a level even lower than where she was when it was Strobe attacking her because now it's like Richard as well. And he ends up like almost saying the same lines as Strobe here, like, um he says that there was a proper procedure to be followed and that Christopher was willing to follow that procedure and she wasn't and she was supposed to sacrifice what she wanted basically to do what was right and I think the clear thing to point out in commenting on this is like he thinks there's only one thing that is right you know like he thinks the whole get married whatever is the right choice and clearly there's always going to be multiple right options in a scenario and I don't he thinks Lorelai chose the wrong thing which is to like go out on your own and be do what you want to do I I don't know it's painful yeah yeah it's heartbreaking like as usually think of your parents as like what they want for you is for you to live a happy life and here Richard is kind of saying like I didn't want you to live a happy life I wanted you to live a life that would protect our family's reputation mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and as Lorelai says like I just feel so bad for him that that's what he thinks yeah that people mm-hmm. should be doing for life it's really sad yeah Something in the middle that I thought was interesting is, like, he kind of goes back to the moment when she ran away, and he's talking about, like, you can't imagine, like, what I had to tell my friends and colleagues, and your mom, like, didn't get out of bed for a month, and I feel like those are two different things. Mm -hmm. Like, I was suddenly picturing, like, was Emily's hurt, like, like, a genuine, like, my daughter has left me, have I failed her, did I pressure her too much, like fear for her not knowing where she is feeling sad versus like feeling I'm sure it was hard sure to tell people in your life but like that's kind of nothing compared to what Lorelai is going through so I was I was interested in that snapshot of like I do wonder what it was like for Emily and Richard to kind of like grieve the loss of their daughter not death but like departing from their lives while also dealing with the culpability of their actions in that as well and maybe they didn't deal with it Mm -hmm. and they didn't deal with the hurt they felt either (laughs) so it's like oh you are all so messed up from all of this stuff you know (laughs) yeah I really like that point it really makes me think that like if we look back at 
most of the fights Emily and Lorelai have had, they were mostly about her leaving and Emily kind of being abandoned in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, we're seeing that for Richard, it is really about his reputation. So, yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at the difference in their relationships that are the relationships she has with her parents. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I wonder if that holds true as we go on. I know, because we often think of Emily as the really public-facing person in their relationship, caring about appearances, but we see in this moment Richard has, like, deep-set values about that as well, like family reputation, family status, and, like, huh, it goes, it runs deep, really. And Lorelai does end this conversation by saying she feels so sad for him, which... I think is Lorelai recognizing, like, mm-hmm. yeah, how sad it is that as my dad, you want me to have what kind of life you thought was right, not what would make me happy, you know? Yeah. And she's like, that is so sad that that's how you feel. And that's such, like, a complex comment for her to make at that mm-hmm. point. I thought it was a good line. I feel like, in a way, it's really showing her, like, maturity and reckoning with the whole situation like yeah she knows that she is living a happy life and yeah the she's she's realized like she's not feeling I mean she is feeling hurt and angry at her father and everything but she's also like realizing what he could possibly be missing in his life Mm -hmm. and just like the sadness of what what could have been for him as well as what could have been for her so I don't totally blame her for not going to comfort Rory immediately after having this conversation with her dad (laughs) but um the next scene is between Emily and Rory and this is actually my gazebo moment mine too oh my gosh we have so much in common today Uh, because this is this is basically like um Emily comforting Rory Mm -hmm. and I think she basically says and does all of the right things in this scene by the end of it so she starts talking to Rory like saying well you know like a lot of shit went down in there (laughs) not not in those words but she starts then to say basically like you know Strobe is actually a pretty good guy like he's a good lawyer he does a lot of charity but then she like pauses and she's like Let's face it, he's a big ass. And she just totally sets aside all of her commitments to, like, her appearances to society and really, like, totally embraces this familial connection she has with Rory and is like, forget all of that. Like, Rory, he was, like, he was such an ass to you, to everyone here. And she says, I think just the sweetest thing you could possibly say to Rory in this moment, which is, like, there's been a lot of talk about disappointments tonight and in the past, but I want to make something very clear. You, your person, and your existence have never been included in that list. And, mm-hmm. like, just saying, you know, as an un- like it was an unplanned surprise pregnancy for a teen, but, like, Rory, you have never been a disappointment. And um, I just thought it was a wonderful pep talk. And she gets her to eat leftovers after that. So she's clearly cheered her up in that way, too. (laughs) 
Yeah, I definitely cried a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm even tearing up now just thinking about it. I know. (laughs) But I think, like, that is such a a problem with how we talk. Like, I think just the English vocabulary we have available to us to talk Mm -hmm. about, like, unplanned pregnancies and stuff like that. That there's always kind of the implication through the words we have that Mm -hmm. the actual baby itself is unwanted or a disappointment. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I'm really glad that. Emily took the moment here to just be like, no, that's not the, that's not the case. Rory is valued and she is like loved in this family yeah. family. And yeah, I love that moment, mm-hmm. especially after like the explosions we'd just been watching. <laughs> I know I, uh, myself, I'm like a whoopsie baby, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel like I can relate to Rory and Lorelai on that level though. She did get married when I was, like, three or four, so I didn't have, like, that, like, lifelong thing that Rory and Lorelai do, but it's, like, stuff like this you do need to hear throughout your childhood growing up, you know, because you do start to, like, doubt or worry, especially if one parent has, like, left or isn't engaging, so you need to be, like, reminded, like, oh, if you do need pep pep talks like this, and, like, careful use of language like you're pointing out to kind of really build you up so I thought Emily did really well here Mm -hmm. yeah especially since we like pointed out earlier that this was a hard night for Rory even if Mm -hmm. things had gone well like yeah even if Strobe and Francine had been civil it would have been a hard night for her because she was meeting her grandparents for the first time so Mm -hmm. yeah that on top of everything I'm really glad this happened the next scene is Lorelai up on her childhood balcony uh. like crying <laughs> and thinking about what just happened mm-hmm. uh, um Christopher comes up and they start to reminisce about things that have happened on this balcony including stargazing looking at naked people through telescopes <laughs> and possibly the conception of rory herself yep (laughs) Uh, one of these things is not like the other (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it uh leads i'm i'm always kind of astounded at the things that can lead to people hooking up especially on shows but that's what happens here (laughs) which is just tragically cut into another scene of luke showing up at the diner And we're led to believe, which is, like, we're shown that Lorelai has completely forgotten that she agreed to paint at Luke's that night. And I think this, the choice of, like, showing them start to hook up, then showing Luke looking forlorn, and then showing them hook up some more is exactly why people don't like Christopher. Yeah. (laughs) Because, like, in and of itself, this is, like, a questionable decision on their part, you know, but you might understand how they got to that place. They've both been like brought to an emotional low. They're reminded of where they were at when they were 16. So they hook up, you know, they kind of like go back to that place together, but to like connect it in the viewer's mind with like Lorelai's not going to be with Luke because of Christopher. I totally understand why the fandom is so anti Christopher and I, like, I felt it. I was so agonized. I just wanted to close my eyes, you know? I'm like, I don't care that they're hooking up, really. But I'm like, for Luke, poor Luke. I know. <laughs> He'd done everything. He'd put, like, tarps over all the tables, mm-hmm. moved everything away. 
and we had just gotten the realization in the last episode that Lorelai might have feelings mm-hmm. for him. And uh, I mean, yeah. it's just teasing us, just like they're yeah. they're not going to get together, and now Lorelai's going to have to explain why she missed it. It was. Mm-hmm. I'm such a I'm a sucker for like the second hand sadness not like secondhand embarrassment is definitely a thing but it's almost like secondhand sadness and I can't think of any other examples but it was the feeling of where you like see Luke going and it's almost like dramatic irony like Lorelai mm-hmm. doesn't know that she stood him up but we do and I like take on that sadness and the pain and you know like she's <laughs> gonna have to go apologize and I feel like certain that's like another trope of like the scene to scene in other shows but I can't think of an example but that's like how I was that was the affect I was experiencing watching that of like I know Lorelai doesn't know yet but oh it's gonna be bad (laughs) yeah I yeah I feel like that often happens in movies when like one partner is cheating on Mm, somebody mm -hmm. and you like they like pan in on the people hooking up and then go in to like the other partner like making dinner or something yeah exactly it's something like that yeah Maybe that's, like, Mad Men. That probably happened all the time in that show. (laughs) That's such a good show. But, God, there'd be so many Friday night dinners to talk about in that show. (laughs) Yes. But at least it's almost like they made the show to be a Friday night dinner critique. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's very conscious. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, we could go on about that. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But pretty much this is the end of the Friday night dinner. Um we get kind of the aftermath of uh, Lorelai and Christopher hooking up and then Lorelai kind of freaking out about it a little bit. Um, but then we have an awkward drive home where it looked to me like Rory was behind a plexiglass uh, shield in the car. I don't know if that was just the windshield or something, but anyways. Mm. <laughs> um, so then we just they just go home and then there's like some awkward um, like good night, good night, good night kind of stuff between yeah. Christopher and Lorelai and Rory. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a little bit of Lorelai comforting Rory, like kind of just making yeah. sure that Rory knows that all of the stuff that was said was directed at Lorelai and not her. Mm-hmm. I thought that this was, it was good that it happened. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Emily's talk kind of did the, the most work of all of this, but yeah, I kind of felt like there could have been a little bit more said. <laughs> but mm-hmm. maybe, maybe... It would have been better said, like, the next day when everybody'd had some time to emotionally chill out. I don't know. Yeah. I Yeah, I did like the moment where Rory says, like, they don't even want to know me, which is, like, I mentioned just, like, a minute ago, it can feel that way. You're, like, there, certain people have made the choice to, like, not get to know me, and you're, like, why would they ever do that to me? Like, what have I done? But uh, Lorelai is, like, it's not about you, like, as as like hard as that sounds but she's saying like they're full of anger and pride and it's standing in the way of them realizing how much they want to know you and so I did think that was a really good piece of advice and she reiterates again that she's like your dad and I have no regrets which I think is good to like just repeat constantly to Rory classic Lorelai she makes it into a joke like Mm -hmm. she says they have no regrets and then talks about possible regrets they might have including a weird tattoo that Christopher might have (laughs) but as usual it kind of diffuses the moment yeah and yeah everybody well I'm sure none of them were comforted 
after all of this, but as much comforting as could have been done was done. Mm -hmm. So cut to the next day. Lorelai, like, bolts out of bed from sleep. She realizes, like, she's forgotten about the Luke thing. So she runs to Luke's in her pajamas, and they have such a sad conversation where, like, Luke's trying to play it cool, but he's clearly, like, he's clearly hurt, you know? And it's like, what can she say in this moment? Of course you can apologize, but she's already missed Like, she's already done the action that hurt him, you know? Like, no matter what she does or says, she can't take back that she, like, stood him up. And, oh, that that's so painful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, part of me at this scene was, like, just tell him what happened. Maybe he'd understand because it was crazy. But you're right. Like, he's already gone through this whole night being hurt. He, you know, it's... (laughs) It's not going to help him that much to know what happened, especially if she were to say that she and Christopher hooked up. Yeah. That would have heartbroken him. Yeah, I think that it it was a very sad scene, but... And to, like, kind of get ahead of us, like, the ending of the episode is Lorelai surprising Luke by, like, painting the whole diner, mm-hmm. which I did think was a thoughtful move on her part because, you know, a good part of an apology is, like, actually doing something for someone or changing your actions right so if she can't take back that she wasn't there to paint like it was nice that she painted it but I think that totally like overlooks like it was a bonding thing for them it was gonna be like a date it was gonna be a moment like he was clearly not upset about the painting you know he didn't even want to paint in the first place so I think the whole like she painted it for him and they kind of start to have banter again by the end But I think we get the sense that they're, like, to use a metaphor, maybe, like, painting over, like, (laughs) the stuff underneath that is not totally mended between them. Like, it's Mm -hmm. probably going to take them a while to build back their trust in any potential romance down the line. Yeah, that's true. And it would be complicated no matter what by the things that happens next, (laughs) which is when Lorelai gets back home the first sign that something's wrong, like, she's really shook up about this, uh, about standing Luke up, which I mm-hmm. think, like, maybe we wouldn't necessarily understand, except for the fact that she says no to coffee when Christopher mm-hmm. offers. So I that know. means <laughs> that something is seriously up. And then they kind of, like, rehash what happened the night before. Um, but then Christopher decides to say they should get married I really oh, don't understand where this is coming from. <laughs> so out of the blue. <laughs> I know. I think Christopher is like, and I think Lorelai says this to him and to Rory too. Like he wants, I think the I, they both talk, like at least Rory talks about how she sees a change in Christopher. And I think perhaps the change, and we don't know him before this, so it's hard to say, But what I suspect is that he has, like, a desire or to be different at this Mm -hmm. point in his life. Like, he wants to be responsible. He wants to be the father to Rory. He wants to be, like, a husband to Lorelai. 
but he's not ready for that or he's not willing to put in the work to do all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, this whole proposal to Lorelai is so ambitious and lofty and, like, romantic, but it's not grounded in his reality, which is what Lorelai says. Like, she's like, you're not ready for, like, the day-to-day actually showing up every day to be married. Yeah, you have to go through all the different steps to get there. Yeah. There was, in this scene, um, my uh, Rory's bookshelf moment, so... <laughs> One, he he says they can get married and then get to know each other. And yeah. Lorelai's response to this was, that's very Fiddler on the Roof of you. <laughs> yes. And um, we've talked about our love of musicals before, but Fiddler on the Roof is my favorite musical of all time. I love it. And mm-hmm. I haven't watched it for a couple years, so I should redo that. But I <laughs> I couldn't resist bringing this up as my Rory's bookshelf moment. Just because it does have that trope, well, it starts off with the idea like that of an arranged marriage where you get married and then you get to know each other. Maybe you fall in love like um, Tevya and Goldie do, but... Do you love me? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, oftentimes people don't. And yeah. of course, the three daughters all choose um, their own husband's so they don't go in that route so it's kind of like Mm -hmm. a whole musical kind of questioning what kind of marriages work what kind of Mm -hmm. loves are uh what kind of loves can like persist through time yeah and it doesn't give an answer because in the end many different kinds of loves do but Mm -hmm. yeah I just love that she brought this up as as the comeback to Christopher with his absolutely ridiculous proposal yeah yeah and he's just echoing what emily and richard wanted which was mm-hmm. is almost like a proposed marriage of like get together since you both you got pregnant you know and like yeah it's very arranged and mm-hmm. it fits with that musical also the opening number about tradition like yes. first of all it's a great song <laughs> but also that's yet another theme totally appropriate for Gilmore Girls too of like mm-hmm. Emily and Richard on the side of tradition yeah and by the end in some ways <laughs> the traditionalists kind of come to understand that different ways of living can work but yeah that was finally it was it was a big fight between that and the OED um, <laughs> but and that one out yeah. I like that <laughs> that fit very thematically it's very good yeah so pretty much this scene ends with Lorelai refusing this marriage obviously it's not going to happen there's no way that she would accept um Mm -hmm. but we do get her emphasizing that he should still be a part of Rory's life Mm -hmm. and she still wants him to come around and at least call at the very least I don't really know how often he was doing that um (laughs) So it kind of puts their relationship a bit back where it had been, maybe with like one step forward. This is um, semi-related. I was thinking in this scene with Christopher and like throughout the whole episode, I had mentioned last time that I start I re I watched all of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and so I started to listen to um, the Gilmore guys. They cover Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. They call themselves the 
the Maisel Goys, I think, at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because they're not Gilmore Guys anymore. It's Kevin and Alice, I think, are the host names. But anyways, so I was listening to them, and recently they talked about the trope of the useless man and Amy Sherman Mm -hmm. Palladino's work. And they were talking about Joel, Midge's husband, who has, like, big insecurities about himself and feeling inferior compared to his wife and all this stuff. But anyways, I thought, like, Christopher is kind of like the OG useless <laughs> <Yeah>. man <laughs> so in true. like in the Paladino's work. Um, and it's really, I think it's curious to like observe his trajectory into becoming less useless because Joel throughout that show becomes less useless. And it's almost mm-hmm. like a journey they have to go on to like reckon with like, I don't know, but it's kind of, I was just thinking <laughs> of Christopher as like, I don't know, you don't always see in shows men just clearly being so useless mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way that feels so relatable of like we should just come to terms with the fact that so many guys are mediocre <laughs> and for so long culture has treated them as like great but like the bar is low for a lot of them <laughs> when they feel like they're reaching a higher standard and I think the we just need to even the platform for people in terms of being recognized <laughs> For their use value. No, I mean, that sounded very capitalistic of me to treat people as if they're all about but, their use value. But I think Lorelai kind of like gives that same sentiment when she's yeah. explaining to Rory why she refused Christopher. She's like, um, she, Lorelai, has her own set of needs that yeah. need to be met in a relationship mm-hmm. as well. And Christopher just wasn't equipped to do to handle them at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's also a great sentiment for women just to think about in general. Mm-hmm. I feel like so often women kind of settle or like kind of take what what's given to them, but mm-hmm. without thinking about, you know, their personal needs that yeah. a partner that they would like a partner to meet and like mm-hmm. use that as a way to search for a partner rather than right. um, some other ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. And you see, Lorelai has so many people in her life who do meet her needs, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Suki is a great example to also recognize you can find these people not only in romantic relationships. Like, if you want that, great, continue to search for it. But, like, there's so many other ties and support systems you can have. And I feel like Lorelai is really enabled and confident in like her refusal of Christopher because she does have like Mm -hmm. everyone in Stars Hollow she has Suki like she knows she's set still even without him which is really nice message I think yeah I agree I was just thinking of Paris and Rory and how they become that later in later Mm -hmm. seasons but yeah (laughs) we'll get to that at this point they still kind of hate each other yeah I did feel in this, like, final scene, I was feeling for Rory as, like, the young, she, you know, she's just like, well, why wouldn't you marry him, mm-hmm. you know? And she's, like, in this last scene, she's still definitely very, like, optimistic about Christopher. She's still holding out to believe that something has changed. And Lorelai ends up saying, like, we can not put away all the blankets, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, let's leave the door open to the possibility that he's changed, but... Lorelai is still really holding strongly on like I know him so well like you have to trust me that he's not ready and I do think mostly I do think Rory does kind of trust her but she does she still is holding out a bit of hope that mm-hmm. I don't think Lorelai is but Lorelai is willing to like kind of meet her there for her sake 
Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to like the. <laughs> I my parents are still married, so I don't know. I don't have this perspective from a child of divorce or something like that. But I, it like there are so many movies and TV shows about kids like their ultimate dream for their parents is to get back together. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Rory, like she just has this vision of the family together, even though it's mm-hmm. not realistic. And like maybe the Christopher and her visions isn't the same as an mm-hmm. actual Christopher, yeah. um, but it's still like kind of an ultimate dream for her, which makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. Right. You might think the next episode is going to be her, like, trying to parent chap them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because that's an exact example of, like, what you're talking about. Thankfully not. (laughs) Okay. I think that brings us to the end, then. What an emotional episode. I know. I have a feeling... I haven't looked ahead, but I have a feeling the next episode is going to be very lighthearted, like town <laughs> shenanigans or something. Yeah, and I could be completely wrong, but these have been like some heavy episodes, mm-hmm. and I feel like they're going to lighten it out, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, maybe give us just some like straight romance episodes or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, in that case... Um, Please don't forget to rate and review us um, on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to us. And you can email us with any of your thoughts at talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. We're also collecting gazebo moments on our Instagram. So you can go to at talkingfastpodcast and comment on any of our gazebo moment posts. Mm -hmm. And we'll be collecting them for a later episode. Um, Yes, at the end of season one, we're going to have a lot of like listener input about what were your highlights throughout all of season one and we'll share our own and it's going to be a really fun way to wrap up this first season we're, we're almost there so like close. already in episode 15 <laughs> i know it's crazy okay cool all okay. right until talk next to time. you next week